podcast. We've been on hiatus for three years, maybe, I think. And before that, we were on hiatus from four years there. Um, we were really popular back in 2006 when the internet was something I cared about. Um, I, yeah, the internet doesn't excite me anymore right now. So um, we'll be talking about that in a minute because that's why we're here. But um, it is good to be back on the podcast. It is good to be back talking about Verlas because it is something that I truly love. Today, though, we are going to talk about copyright and audio because, well, we're in this whole like quarantine thing where everybody has to stay home and there's no live entertainment. And we're trying to figure out how to do live entertainment. And then we go back to that whole technology thing. So my guest today is Blanche Bourgeois. Hi, Blanche. How are you? Hi, Lily. I'm good. How are you? I am not in love with technology right now <laughs> because I am in love with live entertainment. Um, Blanche, I have known you now, what, eight years, maybe? Probably, I've been performing about seven, so seven. So I've known you seven years, okay. Um, we first met when you started performing and producing here in LA, and it has been a pleasure to get to know you. You have the Hollywood Jane Review, you are an acclaimed performer, you tour, oh. I've seen <laughs> you've been up at Hubba Hubba, oh my god, um, you know, Burlesque has been amazing, but it has changed so much over the last two long years that I've been involved in it. I started, I think, in 2004. So that's, what, 16 years of this now? Um, you have a job outside of Burlesque. You have another job. What is that job? So I work in music copyright and music royalties. Um, my job is specifically called income tracking. Um, so it's kind of my responsibility to oversee the, all of the music catalog for the company that I work for and make sure that we're getting all of the reporting we're supposed to be getting, we're getting all of the music royalties we're supposed to be getting, all the reporting that's coming in is accurate. I try to find gaps and collect money that's missing. So I kind of, um, my purview is like any type of music royalty, like all any and all types of music royalties. So I kind of have a good overview of all types of the business. And then I also um, volunteer on the board of directors for a local like music copyright trade organization and professional organization. And one of the things we do is put on panels, educational panels every month for industry professionals where we cover a lot of different topics, like some of the things we're going to talk about tonight, just to um, educate people on areas they don't necessarily work in and keep people up to date on what the current um, current rules are in different copyright areas. So um, I know a lot of things about a lot of different areas in music and music copyright. Yeah, that's a lot uh, to keep track of. Um, <laughs> really my is. background is I was in radio. So for me, um, broadcast rights were what we dealt with a lot. And then this little company came along called Napster. I don't know if you ever heard about them. And they like <laughs> took down the entire recording industry by going music should be free. When in fact, music shouldn't be free. Art shouldn't be free. It may be presented free, but somebody owns it and somebody should be making money off of it. Hopefully the people creating it. And I think that's what I think I want to talk with you about. Have you thought about taking the Hollywood Jane review shows and put them online? Um, I haven't personally, because I don't think I have enough expertise in, in video uh, to be really be able to create anything that can compete with some of the other great stuff that's out there. Um, and since I have another job, um, I'm not looking to monetize online uh, as urgently as some of the other um, troops are. So I've kind of just, uh, sat on the sidelines a little on this, but I'm excited to help everyone that is uh, more interested in getting involved in uh, producing online. I think it is a huge task to make very little money. 
Um, so I'm going to say that right up front. The amount of effort that you're going to put in to doing live streaming online, especially if you're in any of the states that already are shut down. To me, this seems like the least best experience, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. In no way am I saying don't broadcast because we all have to make money. We all have to create art. We all have to do the things that make us happy. So I do believe we should be out there doing it. But I think expectations need to be real clear. When I first started in radio, we did a thing called the Net Music Countdown. And what it did was it tracked the music that was being sold, streamed, and um, downloaded on the internet, both legally and illegally. Um, and then we put those all together and we sent them over to United Stations, which did um, Dick Clark's American Top Five. We were syndicated with that for a radio show that basically said, here's the music that was most used. The thing that I couldn't get from Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all of the streaming companies that don't exist anymore is their numbers because the numbers are so low. I had a friend who recently did a show online and they said they had 12 people watching and they thought that was a success. And I was like, okay, artistically, yes, 12 people saw what you were doing. But even if every one of them gave you $50, you're not making a whole lot of money. And if you're using music that doesn't belong to you, you're making not a whole lot of money that somebody else is going to sue you for. So it's really, how can we do this smart, wise, and really and make any money at this, I guess. Um, when we talk about copyright in music, we have broadcast rights, we have video sync rights, and we have mechanical rights, and we have, what's the fourth one? Broadcast is putting it out, sync is putting it to video, mechanical is the music, and uh, whoever the composer is that owns and wrote the music itself, correct? Um, not, ex not exactly. Well, let me, I'll take it back a little. So first thing, there are two types of music copyrights. Um, the first one is um, the composition, which is the lyrics and um, and the music um, that's owned by the composer or whoever's administering on behalf of the composer. Um, and then there's also uh, sound recording, um, which is the actual like recorded, captured performance of an artist, which is usually owned by an artist or a record label. So we have those two distinct copyrights. So for every, you know, different, the areas that you brought up, um, there will be differences in what, um, in the rights that you need or um, with the composition and with the sound recording. Um, so just want to start with that basic. Right. Um, so, um, and then for uh, both of those, um, there's, uh, you mentioned broadcast rights, or you can also call them uh, performance rights, which yep. is the, the, a right that's owned by the music um, owner to broadcast uh, or perform the music publicly. And that includes a lot of things. It doesn't just necessarily mean like a band playing it on stage. It also means if it's played on the radio, if it's played in a public place, or it's played where the public can hear it. It's played on the radio, if it's played on TV, it's played on bars, jukeboxes, exercise studios, like anywhere that the public can be and view um, and experience the music that's considered uh, public performance rights. Um, and then there's also synchronization rights, which you mentioned, which is when you take, uh, and, and I think these are the two that are the most um, pertinent in the topics we're talking about today. And the other one is synchronization rights, which is the rights to um, kind of marry the music to a video. Um, so any kind of video that's streaming online, if you have a music component with your video component, um, 
and it's recorded um, and viewed online, then that would uh, require a sync license. So let's start with, I have an act to a song that is a popular song that I hear on the radio. There is a way for me to get those rights, correct? That I could record it, broadcast it, put it on YouTube and monetize it. You could, yeah. I mean, there's, you could actually um, get a sync license with the composition owner and the, um, the recording owner, uh, get their permission to display it on YouTube uh, or you know, any service of your choice. Um, but the reality is that that is actually very difficult to do and you probably, like difficult and expensive, and you probably wouldn't actually be able to do that um, for a lot of reasons. Um, one, because you, you're dealing with a lot of different rights owners. Um, usually, or, or a lot of songs have multiple composers. That means you have to get permission from every single composer and their administrator and the record label. Um, they can say no, they don't have to grant you those rights. Um, and then if it's you know, a popular commercial song with a lot of market value, then the fees will be higher. So you could do that but you probably wouldn't actually do that. Um, An example I, of that real quick, when Satan's Angels movie was being made about her, the production team contacted Santana to get rights to use 35 seconds of one of their songs and they wanted $6,000 for them to be able to use it. Now, again, that's a documentary that's going to be sold. It's a little different than how many people are going to view it online, but that gives you the idea of it's not going to be, here's 10 bucks, let me borrow your music so that we can strip to it. Yeah, um, so, I mean, in theory, for movies and for YouTube, you yeah. need the same rights to display the video. The yeah. reality is, though, in using YouTube, um, for most, like, mostly user-generated content, um, which is, like, most of the users of YouTube, not the big corporate, like, channel, like, YouTube channels um, for user-generated content. Um, YouTube gives the the song uh, the owners of the copyrights the option uh, to leave your videos up online um, if they choose to. Um, but that's why that they're allowed to take the videos down if they want to, um, and that's also why they can run ads against your video um, and monetize it and keep the money for themselves because they have that sync right in the video. Um, right. So if you're putting videos on YouTube and you're trying to monetize your performance videos on YouTube and you have music that's owned by any, almost any major record label uh, publisher, um, they will have uploaded all of their assets into YouTube's content ID system um, and they'll be able to match that to your video, know that you've used their music, put a claim against it, and then you won't be able to monetize it. If you want to know what a content ID system is, it's essentially Shazam. They look at the music and they go, oh, this fits that, it's probably this, and that's how they identify it. So it works just kind of like Shazam. It's not exactly the same, but that gives you an idea of how they find those mu music pieces. Um, the interesting thing about that is they will leave some up. Yeah, they have the option to. It's their right. They, own the, they have that right in the music under the Copyright Act, so they can decide to leave yeah. it up and monetize it. They can decide to leave it up and do nothing. They can decide to leave it up um, or and run ads again, or, or they can take it down. So your content is very much, well, you can't, you can't monetize it. And it's up to them what happens to it. So you have no control over what happens to that video if the music copyright owners choose to do something with it. Um, so the ways to get around that are to either license, like, well, I mean, the only way to get around it is to license the music. Um, yeah. So before we them, jump to that, before we jump to that, let's talk about one other thing. You can yeah. still get sued. 
if you put a video up of you dancing to somebody else's music and in the comments write, if you like this, throw me money. Because you're asking for money based on that particular thing. So know that if you're like, oh, we're not going to worry about it. They're letting us stream it. They're letting us put it up. You can still put yourself in jeopardy by asking to monetize that performance, even in the comments. You can say, I have a Patreon. If you like this, go over there and join it and see the content there. Because you're not directly asking for money, but you can still get yourself in trouble asking for money on copyrighted work that belongs to somebody else. So that's just a caveat of putting stuff up and be careful of how you ask for money once you have stuff published on YouTube. And um, Facebook and Instagram are in the process of instituting a very similar policy to what YouTube has. Like right yeah. now, I think that they've already started incorporating um, the content ID system and have the assets from the music owners and are starting to take down videos or, or mute videos. They haven't quite instituted the monetization and putting ads on there yet, but they're in the process of doing that. So everything that I've said about YouTube is going to be applying to Facebook and Instagram in the very near future. And like all of us are artists and so many of us, and I'm not one of them, but many people out there are like, fuck you, pay me for my work. We have to realize that when we're dancing to somebody else's music, Fuck you, pay them is serious. When we're, in, when we're in a bar dancing, there are rights that are being paid there by the venue owner for us to be able to dance to that music. So we're not paying for it directly, the club is. So realize that when we try to take music, we have to make sure that the rights of the other artists are taken into effect as well. I, I mean, I hate to see us ripping off other artists directly when we're doing broadcasting. And that's why I said before, I hate technology. I hate online streaming. That's personally my opinion, but because it's another way of circumventing other people's art and their ability to make money on it. So that, that's kind of why I have that attitude. So let's talk a little bit about licensing music. I mean, there's music out there, Blanche, yes. There's- Yeah, I mean, you, so, Everything is said about how you could license the music from, you know, if it was a, a large record label, like you can find music that is easier to license and cheaper to license. And usually um, it's a little bit of a misnomer. A lot of websites call it royalty free music um, or and it's not that it's free. It's that you can easily cheaply license all of the rights from one person for one fee up front and then use the music however you know however you agree to with them um, and then they won't put any claims on your your youtube videos uh, or other videos um, and you'll have those rights secured um, so i did that the the burlesque podcast was originally going to be videos i worked with two local bands went through their departments got clearance for all of the music signed contracts for the music and we agreed that for every dollar made I would get 50 cents and they would get 50 cents for every download that happened. Um, yeah, I mean, you can also work with musicians that you know. I worked with musicians, you know, yeah, I worked um, with two musicians that I know that owned their own catalog. And they were like, sure, this sounds great. You're going to make little videos of the music. You're going to put them out. We're going to get 50 cents. We don't have to do anything because we've already written the music. This is great. Um, and then literally three weeks after I finished editing seven of these, Amazon, uh, iTunes started doing $1 downloads and blew my entire market apart because I could no longer sell these for $2.99 when you can get the professional videos that were done by band artists that were real in, in the general public as opposed to an independent artist somewhere that nobody knew. 
And I basically went, my entire business model just fell apart and never launched it. So I turned this into an audio because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to monetize this in a way that I'll ever get the $7,000 I've spent making these videos back, much less making money in the future. But that is what I did. I went directly to bands. Um, I believe that Misspent Youth and Cat House, because almost all of Babylon Cabaret's music is original, he can record all of that, sell it, and put it out. Um, you know, or he can give it to you or write music for you to do original acts to. Um, so that really is the way to go right now. And then just a caveat to that, as I mentioned earlier, how there's two copyrights, the composition and the yeah. recording, just getting musicians that you know to record a song where the composition is still owned by somebody else doesn't count. Like you would need them to also have written, right. the, written music and have the rights to the music. Um, and that's what this was. It was all original music, all done by them, all performed by them. So I got all of the rights for it to be able to video it, sync it and distribute it. Um, literally that, I mean, it, it took months to get it all to work out. It was crazy. So if I'm, and I just, and I'm going to ask this from a very naive way because I want to ask it for everybody that's else is out there. Let's say I want to dance Blanche to, um, I want to be loved by you. Um, and I want a band to record it for me. Can they just record it and I can give them $10, buy it from them and do it? No, because they don't own the composition. Somebody ah, there lies the rub again. <laughs> Whoever owns the composition, I want to get loved by you, you would still need to license that. Um, I do have one caveat to the whole like sync um, license issue is that that only applies if you are recording. Um, if you are doing a live stream that is truly live, it's not recorded, it can't be viewed again, then you would only need the performance license much like whenever we perform in a venue. But the reality is that most of the streaming services that we're using like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, they are recording it. So it wouldn't fall into that exception, but there are some sites like uh, Stage It that do live performances and where you pay a buy a ticket, log on at a certain time and watch it and it's live and it's not recorded and it can never be seen again. In those instances, you would be able to use the music because they have a performance license, much like a venue that covers it for a live performance, but not for it to be recorded. So there are some streaming services that are truly streaming as opposed to streaming, yes. downloaded, and, and saved. Okay. And one that was recommended to me because I was asking some music colleagues just, you know, a little bit about some of this stuff so I'd have some better information for today. Um, well, the one that was recommended to me in particular was called Stage It. Um, and you do, you stream live, people buy tickets to a show. Um, a lot of drag queens are using it. It's been pretty, uh, pretty successful for a lot of drag queens. Um, and they do, they have a performance license, everything is streamed, nothing's recorded. So there's no sync rights implicated in that. And it, you could use any music you wanted for that because it's not recorded, but that's not how Instagram live works or YouTube live works. Or right. Live works. So do they also take care of all of those rights for you so that you can do anything like if you were in a venue? Yes, they have, uh, they have performance licenses with ASCAP and BMI. They take a cut of the tickets and as part of that is the overhead for the website, getting those rights and a few other things and it's listed on the so website. So stage it, stage it is a one-stop shop to do it all completely legally. Yes. As but long I as they have the, the song. Yeah, but I, I don't, I've never used it, it's a caveat. Um, I'm not sure if you could, could have multiple people broadcasting from different places. You might have to just be broadcasting like one camera in one place. So it, if people are trying to, you know, broadcast from different everyone in a different house. I don't know if you can do that on there, but um, 
but stage it does offer a full package for you that's fantastic yeah. because that's the first one that i've heard of and i've been researching this for the last probably four days getting ready for this and never ran across that so that's awesome yeah um, mostly, you know, mostly again, musicians are using it but now like as of recently a lot of drag queens are starting to use it and they do say on their website they'll host any kind of performances like it's not just for musicians that's just who's been using that's it fantastic most, uh, recently so. so okay so we've talked a little bit about those what if i go to a place like creative commons um, can I just literally download music from, and if you don't have the answer to this, that's okay. I kind of know a little bit about it as well, but if I go over to Creative Commons and I find a piece of music and I'm like, hey, that's a piece of music I can license, I then just license it through there and pay them or do whatever they're asking me to do, link back to them, whatever it is that they want. Yeah, I mean, that I, I also don't know a ton about Creative Commons, but okay. I read on some of it for this. Um, and most of that is advertised that they want people to use it and that they'll they'll all usually have some kind of set of rules if they want you to credit them a certain way or that you can only use it for certain types of uses but if you find something that fits your needs and you comply with all of the requests they've made you can use the music that, um, that's that's pretty much the truth i mean it is it is literally there's here's this music that you can use for anything that's non-commercial that you're not making money for here's something that you can use and it's specifically for documentaries only you have to credit it credit us at the end here's something you can use if you're doing ads but we want to be credited this way because of that they want their music out there because it's going to get more people to go to their website supposedly they essentially license it to you for exposure I think that's the best way of saying it for most of them. Yeah, um, but I think they're allowed to set their own parameters. Every one of them, yeah. So you'll want to make sure that you're reading yeah, the There's several different levels of Creative Commons, just like there is for fonts. You can download fonts and use them non-commercially, but the moment you put them on a flyer, you've now become commercial. And that's where it also comes into how do you make money? You can stream through Patreon now. You can stream on your fans only page, which I don't have, so I don't know that back end really well. But again, the moment you start monetizing it is where you can start to get in trouble with this, correct? Yeah, I mean, and, and the reality is if you're small and you're not making any money, no one's going to notice. But the bigger you get and the more money you're making, the more likely it is that people are going to come across you, the more important it is that you're doing it correctly. So if you're like, if you look at, you know, like Dita Montez's Instagram, you're not going to find her using music that she hasn't paid for because people will notice. And fines um, are you know? substantial. If you unintentionally do this, it can be as low as $200 and as high as, I want to say 75, if I remember correctly. If you do it intentionally, starts much higher than a $200 mistake. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what the number is, but it's there's a specific number in the Copyright Act that you will owe a statutory damages for infringement that's not based on how much money you've made. It's like a hundred, I want to say it's $175,000 per infringement. It is. It's not, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's not based on what you made. Like the law says they can sue you for that um, specific amount of money, no matter yeah. how much money you actually made. I and, mean, and it, in reality, they, they probably aren't going to do that if you don't have the money, but they could. Um, so it's, you know, when it's better to do things right while you're building so that yeah. by the time you're successful enough to get noticed and get sued you you have done it done everything right yeah 
When Napster started, there was so much uproar because kids were being sued and they were being sued for like $5,000 per song they downloaded through Napster. And people were like, that is crazy. And it's like, no, if you download 12 different artists, 12 different songs, that's 12 different $5,000 fees. So don't think that we ran an hour long show and we did eight songs and they'll only sue me for $175,000. $175,000 times yeah, eight different people. Yeah, yeah, per infringement. And they can go per download. If they go and, and pull the servers, they can go, that show was downloaded 75 times. 75 times times 175,000. So I mean, it's not, again, most of us are small potatoes, but if we're gonna do it, we wanna do it right. And I think we wanna do it with other people we can make money with, which is why, again, I go back to, Find local bands. If you know, if you set up a tip jar and do go going to local bands and local dancers, and you say the band gets thirty five percent, the dancers get seventy five, and it's split x way, or you say there's five people in the band and there's seven dancers, let's split it twelve ways, so everybody gets an equal share. Um, again, they did once use many. You're a dancer. Unfortunately, you can't use once and do many if you're doing live. But you can't just go, eh, whatever. You need to have contracts with these, with these bands, even if it's a simple in writing that you both signed that we're going to do this. You say it's okay to do this. You have the rights to let me do this. And we're both going to make some money on this. Yeah, I mean, it's always better to get in writing. Get it in it's writing. It's better to yeah. get in writing because then... The second there's actual money on the table, everyone will remember it differently if it's not in writing. Absolutely. And if you if you want to have like longevity with any of these projects, in a, most places, uh, contracts over like a year have to be in writing. You can't enforce a verbal contract that's not in writing. Uh, so if you want to be able to monetize things over a long period of time, uh, then you just need to have it in writing for that reason as well. It's really important to get it in writing. And again, I mean, do they need to go online and hire Zoom legal or can they do an agreement that basically says, you own these rights, this is what we're gonna do with the music, this is how the money will come in, this is how it's gonna be split. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a fancy contract. I mean, the the most important things that you wanna include are like, what rights are you licensing? Like synchronization rights uh, or or what you'd be licensing to to put it in a video. like what's uh, what mediums? Like, are you, can you put it on YouTube? Can you put it on like where? Where can you like like put the videos? Um, like the length of time is this forever? Is this for a year? Is this for you know like those are kind of the major things. Like which rights, what mediums, and like the length of time you want to license them. Um, okay. Do we have any questions in the chat room right now? Because I know, I mean, I can come up with a few more, but if somebody has a specific question, I would love to be able to answer it for them or at least try to answer it for them. I'm even going to go over to the Facebook page real quick right now. This is the first time I've ever done questions live on one of our podcasts. (laughs) Kind of fun to do something new and different. Um, Let me see if I can get over there. I'm sorry. Blanche, do you want to hum something that doesn't have a copyright? <laughs> uh, happy birthday. You can, you can sing happy birthday all you want now. They decided can we that know? Is it finally out? So that's in public domain. What the fuck does public domain mean? So public domain means that the copyright protection has expired on the, on the rights. Um, and there are some things like happy birthday and like 
a lot of older music um, that has fallen out of um, copyright and considered public domain. Um, the issues with relying on that and trying to use free public domain music in your streaming or in your projects is, um, well, a few things. Um, one, it's, it can be hard to pinpoint the date that things fall out of public domain because it's not um, a fixed date. Um, it's based on when the author of the work dies plus a certain number of years. So every composition is going to be under copyright protection for a different number of years. Um, and then additionally, because as I mentioned earlier, there's compositions and there's recordings, just because you have a composition that's public domain doesn't mean that the recording you have is public domain. You probably aren't going to find a lot of great quality report recordings from the you know, 19, 1920 that you're gonna to wanna to use. So most likely the recording is still going to be under copyright protection. Um, so relying on using public domain music can be a little iffy. There are some good sites that, that list things that are in public domain, but that's again, only gonna apply to the compositions. So if you find something on there and you wanna use it, you'll wanna get somebody to record it for you or license uh, an existing recording. Which again means then we have to pay for the music. Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest thing that, that when people say to me, why aren't you doing a show online ever? Why don't you put Monday Night Tea's old videos up? And I'm like, A, for the time it takes to do all of that, I will never monetize it enough to make any money. It just won't happen. Um, and B, I don't own the copyright to the music. So that's why I really don't do it. I thought that was a question. It's not. Um, so it's, what's, even like if you find an old Sophie Tucker song that you like, if it's been remastered, it automatically is no longer in public domain because that new copy has been redone. So again, we go back to, you kind of got to figure out who owns the music, recorded the music, wrote the music, and can give you the rights to use the music. Because I mean, even go-go dancing right now is being shut down on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, figuring out who owns music is very difficult. Like it's, you know, it's not even easy for people who are professionals. Like, and there are some instances where you, you literally cannot find the rights owners because catalogs have been sold or samples have been put in things and, and haven't been cleared. Like I went to a, a music panel a while back about a, a, the Netflix series, When They See Us. And one of the discussions was, you know, about how they picked music for the documentary. And since they wanted to use a lot of 80s hip hop music, there was just a lot of stuff that they literally could not license because at that time there were so many unlicensed samples in the big songs and there was no way to guarantee who owned the rights in those songs so they just couldn't license them and couldn't use them. So it's, it's complex even for professionals sometimes to figure out who owns what rights and to be able to license them. So I think it's it definitely beyond the scope of what most of our performing friends are gonna be wanting to do with their time and their money. Um, so it takes us back to the original of, it's harder to do this than most people think it is to do. It is difficult to do, but um, I mean, you could, you could still do certain things. I mean, yeah, if you get royal, like license royalty-free music or use Creative Commons or use music from people that you personally know, like mu local musicians that you can use the music from, there are ways to legally do it. Um, when Tony did the movie and, um, gosh, I've totally forgotten his name and I feel terrible. I can picture his face. Ah, oh, damn it. The, the two that did Satan's Angels movie, 
what they ended up doing was writing and recording music similar to what she was dancing to. So they literally watched the film and wrote the music and played it to her dancing so that it looked like she was originally dancing to what they did rather than Santana, going back to that yeah. story. Teaserama, when it was released, and the other ones in the black and white with Tempest and Betty and all of those, they all look like they can't dance because they ended up putting different music in for that same reason. They didn't have the rights to use the music and sell it. So something weird basically dubbed the music over. Um, we could do that with our, with our videos. We could find music and put it in. It wouldn't necessarily have the impact. I mean, that's the reason that Monday Night Tease didn't become a TV show. They literally went, it would cost a fortune to produce this because everybody use it, is using pop music. Where like AGT gets away with it, but even performers that have been on AGT have had to change their music because they own the blanket rights to all of the music with AG, AGT, America's Got Talent, but they still don't have the rights to everything. So again, we go back to find local musicians. I mean... Yeah, like local music or royalty free music or things where, that are in reality going to be easy to clear and cheap. You know, most commercially released music, pop music, anything like that is going to be very difficult to license. And so the, the counterpart where you work, which is an unnamed business that has copyright for a lot of different stuff, if they find out someone did something, what would happen to someone? Do they start with a cease and desist and then sue you? Or do they just jump right in and just DMCA it to take it down? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of variables. It depends on what it is. Um, you know, if it's on YouTube, it's, or, you know, Facebook. Yeah, it'll get it's, caught by the idea. very easy to now. take it down. Um, if it's something bigger, you know, cease and desist. Um, I mean, I, they, I will say really weigh how much money they might actually be able to, to get back. Like litigation's expensive. Um, so in reality, they're probably not going to sue somebody that doesn't have any money. Um, but if they do it consistently? But if, if once there's money on the table, then yeah, yeah. The, we have a litigation department that kick things over. Um, Especially because there now are services that are doing all the licensing for broadcast of shows now. I mean, to me, it would seem like if I came in with Monday Night Tees and started putting up a weekly show again with copyrighted music, eventually I'm going to get enough attention from enough people because yeah. I will keep coming up consistently going, there's a trademark, there's a trademark, there's a trademark. I mean, YouTube shuts you down. Um, but I mean, I, to me, that seems to be the biggest problem. Hmm. So maybe we just all hum to our own music and, and strip to our humming? <laughs> that sounds like a very boring show. Uh, maybe like a fun one-off theme night. Show. <laughs> a fun one-off theme night where we all hum. Kazoos and no rhythm. I think this is, this is the future of burlesque online <laughs> right now. Is two kazoos and a brassiere. That's going to be the name of my show. Then if everyone played kazoos and we danced to it and recorded it, we'd be creating our own music copyrights and compositions and we're recording the music. Other dancers. Oh and my then God. We license it out. So the key takeaways are, if you don't own the music, you probably shouldn't be doing it. If, it's a, if you actually want to monetize it and are trying to have a successful, you know, monetized streaming show uh, with growth opportunities, you know, you should license the music. Um, if you don't, most of the services 
you can't monetize and they have the option, okay. the commenters have the option to take down all of what you've posted. So in the burlesque podcast on our Facebook page, and this will eventually go on our burlesque podcast page as well, there are going to be some links that go to Creative Commons. There are going to be some links that go to um, the copyright office, uh, .gov. I think it's copyright.gov. There's going to be some information to the, uh, the, oh gosh, the website that you said that um, stage it. Stage it, yeah. Yeah. So there'll be a link to that as well, because they're going to be your one-stop shop to be able to possibly dance and produce to. And again, you know, if you're selling tickets online and they're taking a percentage and then you're paying your performers, if you're in California, you got AB5 to deal with too now. So good luck on that. Um, but I think that's probably going to be an easier way than trying to track down all of the music, figure out who the copyright owners are, unless you want to go with someone who has original music and, and go that way. So there's going to be some links on there. If you have other questions, I'm around. Blanche is around. Blanche, is there anything else you want to cover on this that we haven't covered? Um, I just want to throw out one thing that is like a pet peeve of mine. I just want to put it out there for the world. Uh, a lot of people put on the bottom of their YouTube video, Instagram video, Facebook video. <laughs> I, own, I do not own any rights in this music. I don't claim any rights in this music. That does absolutely nothing. It is completely meaningless. It is a copyright urban legend. Please don't do that. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. Would it be better to at least go, I love this band, this is their music? Because then at least people would know what the fuck it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, so don't do that. It is totally meaningless. It just makes it obvious that you don't know anything about how music licensing works. Yeah. So again, I mean... <laughs> Here's the other thing. I'll talk with you about this. And this is, again, my personal opinion. I'm not telling you not to stream online. None of us have income streams right now. The joy of watching a live burlesque show versus watching a tape is the difference between having sex and masturbating to me. <laughs> and I don't mean to be a jerk because I'm really good at masturbating. <laughs> But it's still not the same experience. You don't have the connection with that audience. It's like right now, because we're on Zoom, I can see everybody in here, but I can't hear them. I can't laugh with them. I don't get that energy from them. So it becomes really voyeuristic in a way that a lot of times shows live aren't. And I, I guess if we get better at that as performers, I'm gonna enjoy watching live performances more. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like a good cam girl, but at the same time, she's really good at knowing where the camera is and how to look at you and what to... Burlesque is still a lot of, I'm on stage, you're not, or the vibe of the room. And I think that's the thing that's the thing that, that I'm missing so many times when I tune into these and then I'm like, oh, look, there's a potato chip and I walk away from the stream completely. If you're going to do it, how are you going to do it as exciting and as interesting with literally, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm in Zoom right now. I have a professional backdrop behind me that I've bought. I have a professional light. I still look like a ghost floating in a room. You know what I mean? So it's like, Stripping in your living room with bad lighting, it doesn't do it for me. It's real hard. 
because you don't have that energy of the room. And I, I think that's something that as artists, if we're going to keep doing this, yes, yes, we got to find the music. <laughs> I just cut my thumb open. Yes, we have to find the music. Yes, we have to find the right acts. Yes, we need to figure out how to make all of that look amazing when it comes down to this little tiny iPhone screen that someone's watching it in their living room or their bathroom or their bedroom. And if you're lucky, maybe they're on a decent sized computer or a TV screen, but that, that just, it's not the same. How, how do we do that? And, and Blanche, I'm not asking you specifically, <laughs> well, but it's like, that's kind of the reason why I haven't, haven't chosen to do anything with my show because I don't think I have the ability to have that production value um, yeah. with the skills that I have to make it good. Um, I think there are other people that can do it better. <laughs> well, so many of us now, I mean, I have been a producer of live entertainment, of radio, um, of a festival, of a gallery show. Uh, you know, I used to do Jacob Javits Center when we did the radio show there and did live productions. There are skill sets to producing. And that's going to be the thing where I don't know a month into this if we have those skill sets. People are going to come and they're going to tip us because they love us and they miss us and they want to support us. But how do we take this, once we find music, we can use to the next level? And again, you know, I, I said this was about copyright, but it's also about artistry in a way. Because, you know, again, now you're also finding music that they may not even connect to because they don't know it. It may be your favorite independent artist, but everybody else is going, I don't know who Hootie Who is. By the way, I made Hootie Who up. That is not a real band, I hope. Um, <laughs> but again, how do you then work with them? Plus, now we have to market a whole different way when Facebook doesn't even let us sell tickets. So I'm just really hoping... I don't know how the strong are going to survive. And I certainly don't know how the weak who aren't producers here will, even if they find the music. Well, that sounds like a whole other podcast. Right now, and I know damn well. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a whole other podcast. podcast. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's a whole other podcast here. Of, you know, I'd like to do one with someone who does video production. And that's kind of why I brought the podcast back, because we're now into a whole different type of entertainment now. We're now all video producers. You know, I watch festivals right now and I'm like, how are they gonna do a festival online? I just watched the Golden Burley Picks Challenge, whatever it's called now, cause they kind of combined the two of them. And they're like, they're gonna do regionals online. And I'm like, that just seems complicated. And, and I'm being kind when I say that because it's like watching that online with bad video production out of someone's bedroom is certainly not going to give them, Sheila's raising her hand. I think she has a question. Do you have a question, Sheila? Hold on. Let me unmute you. God, I now have guests on this. It's crazy. <laughs> Sheila, you're live. <laughs> I, more, it's more, I, I get it out of your, your bedroom or your, you know, your living room, but I'm sure all of us are created in, of enough to make a backdrop and, it'll yeah. and get some lights and it'll look fine um will it though but but <laughs> i mean but i feel the same way that you feel and everybody i feel like i'm the only goddamn burlesque performer who doesn't watch other burlesque performers on video because i don't like it i don't watch me on video because i don't like it 
So, and you should though, because that's how you get better, and that's a whole nother conversation. But I don't. But I. <laughs> but, but it does nothing for me, and nothing looks the same. Right. I mean, and, and Angel so, used to always make that thing where she's like, ah, this act, and she'd put her hand down her by her vagina, and she'd go, Sahara Desert. And yep. it's like, that's how I kind of feel when I'm watching it. And again, Sheila, you're one of the few performers that I think can make any person watching a video think that they're the only person in the world. I, and um, then, and as you're saying this, I'm like, I mean, my best well, friend just did something last night that I think I just went bing, 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 bing. Yeah, you have, but you have stripper <laughs> experience. Most burlesque dancers don't have stripper experience. And that True. is one of the things that different is cam girls really understand how to make that person, the only person in the room. And I guess maybe that's the skill set we're going to need to find is music that tonally is similar to something that's popular that they're going to know, create an act that works for that. But I think just the, the average comedy burlesque strip is not going to play on the internet as well. Um, yeah. And again, I'm not saying don't do it, but I am saying how are we going to recreate the burlesque world with the limitations of copyright, the limitations of how we reach our audience, the limitations of how we find our audience. I want someone to surprise the fuck out of me. <laughs> I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody do it. You know, I, I've tuned into a couple now and I'm like, wow, four people stoned in their living room. This is not entertainment for me. Um, again, I'm not their core audience. That's fine. If your audience is a bunch of stoners that want to sit around and be stoned and watch you take your clothes off, no judgment in that. But I don't see how that's going to reach the mass quantity of people we need to reach to get a hundred people at $10 each so that we're all getting a hundred bucks. Cause we also got to pay the band now. We literally <laughs> have to pay the band now. <laughs> the venues used to do that with their liquor sales. So it's, it's a whole new you know, are we going to get sponsors that say this entire burlesque dance and Sheila, I'm going to turn you off because that noise is coming in from you. Um, are we going to find sponsors where this whole show is underwritten by, you know, Pillsbury Doughboys so that we can all strip and make money? I don't know why I chose the Pillsbury, <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy, but whatever. I you would know, watch I, that show. I would watch that <laughs> show too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think splash shows and things that are unique and interesting finally have a home. If you want to pee in a champagne glass, now is the time you can do that in your burlesque show because the limitations are different. And again, we didn't even talk about the fact that YouTube streams in 17, 30, 40 countries, you know, you got to have the music rights for every one of those countries as well. Um, so, I mean, that, that's another thing. So I, I can't remember if it was Matt Finish that I was talking with or ah, I can't remember now who it was. I don't think it was Matt, but we were talking about um, how does someone own a song? And I'm like, man, if I had $500 right now, this is where I would be contacting a band going right and produce and record this song for me because I'm gonna own a song by the end of this. And it's gonna be the song that I can take anywhere and perform in any burlesque show virtually anywhere because I own the music rights, the sync rights, the broadcast rights, the performance rights, and the stripping rights too. And it literally is gonna be my act. And I, I think that might be where it is, is more collaborations with other artists to create works that we can do live and sell later maybe. Well, I mean, you can like, 
commission music as a work yeah. for hire and buy out a hundred percent of the rights. I mean, that's what a lot of like TV shows and films yeah. and stuff do. Like they hire hire writers and artists to make music that they own a hundred percent of to put in their, you know, movie. Um, it's just cost more. The more rights you want, the more it's gonna cost you. And but I you mean, can do that. I don't think 500 is the right amount, but if my rent, which it is right now, is $1,000 a month, boy, I would love to write a piece of music right about now for 500 bucks, and I would <laughs> literally sell it. And I would be like, the only thing I ask is you own it, but you have to say music buy, um, you know, because then it's my rent and exposure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer, but I, I hope that Blanche, with her knowledge and what she does, and my past experience has given you some food for thought, some ways of realizing how you can get music to perform too and monetize legally. And hopefully you can put on some shows and find a way to be interesting and unique and wonderful. And we thrive over the next 30 days to a year. I'm really scared it's gonna be a year. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I personally think this lockdown is not gonna be 30 days. Um, Make art, make costumes, repurpose stuff, find music, call your friends that are in a band, reach out to bands in your area, reach out to artists you've always wanted to work with. Try to figure out how to do it legally, I guess. And if anybody has specific questions that they didn't want to ask on the podcast or that you think of later, like, feel free to reach out to me. Over Facebook What's your email, Blanche? Email. Um, you can email me at hollywoodjanereview at gmail.com. Um, oh, so let's Blanche talk about that for a second. Hollywood Jane Review, when is your next show if it happens? The next show that we have uh, on our contract with the venue, I want to say it's June 2nd. Um, so yeah, we're just... Um, we want to Semi-optimistic, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, we, we would like to do it. The venue would like to do it. Just going to have to see, you know how the world looks then, I, I guess. Um, Are you all currently making masks and gloves to wear? <laughs> uh, we're doing but, the hospital show. <laughs> that wasn't the thing we were going for, but I guess, you know, we, we've got some time to think about it. There's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of naughty nurse shows over the next three months when we open back up. <laughs> and a lot of uh, coronavirus acts that are in poor taste. <laughs> Oh, God. Everybody keeps asking, and I'm like, no, no, don't do it. Not don't funny. Do it. And not even because it's too soon, but it's like, I mean, do you want to go up and do a herpes act next? <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe it's the all virus all day show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, Blanche, thank you so much for being with me. You can reach Blanche. Uh, she's on Facebook. She gave you her email address, uh, Hollywood Jane Review. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I'm supposed to mention about you. I can't remember. No, I think that's everything. Um, I love you, Blanche. Thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, this is the Burlesque Podcast. My name is Lily Von Stubb. I have absolutely nothing to plug. So um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. So that's the audio portion. Anybody got a question that they want that they didn't want on the podcast? <laughs> to go out over the air? I'm unmuting all of your mics right now. None of this will go public. Harley, I think I just unmuted you. Lola, Sheila, you're all unmuted now. I think. Hold on. We're getting there. Okay. I think everyone is unmuted. Anybody have any other questions that we didn't address?
No, I think I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and again, so I try far. not to be a downer. I really do. I just, I worry about people getting sued because I lived through the whole Napster thing and it was awful. Oh, hi, okay. Nick. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So here's. Oh, going, let me take going... this off Facebook. Hold on. Let me take this uh -huh. off Facebook now. <laughs> yeah. Stop live stream as well. Okay. So this is just us in the chat room now. <laughs> well, that looks shady as hell. <laughs> no, it's just that, um, you know, I was like anything you don't want on the podcast. So I figured yeah, I'd take yeah, it yeah. off the, the Facebook. I mean, it's not too. really even so much not on the podcast. I think it's just a matter of taking this, looking at it, and the time it takes me to kind of put it together but and figure out. So going back to, um, you know, putting a movement, I, you mentioned that you can say, hey, follow me on my OnlyFans, my Patreon to see the rest of the performance. And, but I, but I didn't catch. Here, here's the legality of that. The moment you ask for money, mm -hmm. you are now making that a commercial venture. That's right. what it comes down to. That's the legal definition of making money off of it. Uh -huh. If you want to say, I have a Patreon page. If you'd like to come see me there, please do. Mm -hmm. That's saying, I have something other than this. Come over there. That costs money. That's mm -hmm. not saying, if you liked this, come join my pay Patreon page and pay me. Does that right. make sense? Okay. So just so... never, never ask for money directly on something that has somebody else's copyright on it. Right. So like when you're using an Instagram and you use the music that comes up and you, you assume that you're allowed to use it, um, you know, when you post... Your, Technically, your those are now commercial ads, and you've used that. If you're like, hey, come to my show and see this and give me money, that's a commercial ad. It's the same way with putting a font that is not licensed I for commercial. probably don't yeah. even do that because I'm not that proficient on the social medias and not yeah. really that clever. But, like, I set, I set music to me skating or dancing in the dressing room. And then, you know, and I set the, I set the Instagram to it. Yeah. You know, the, the music that you get to use on the Instagram. And then I say. If it's something like the, how like on stories you can add music. Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Anything yeah. like that, like they have, they have they a have license. The rights for. for. Okay. Um, I mean, what, like license if you're using it like in a commercial post, that might be a little different, but like if you just put it in your stories and it's something that Instagram has that you can choose, they have a license for that. For it mm -hmm. to be on Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. So in your Instagram no. story, then to stay to stay borderline legal, don't say I'm out at the park rehearsing for my show tonight. Come buy a ticket. Right, say right. I'm rehearsing my act. I have a show. Go over to my page and find out about it. Right. Do you right. see the difference in the two of those? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So and then what about if you're using the song on your Patreon or OnlyFans page? My understanding is anything that you put up on Patreon is supposed to be 100% your work. Okay. Or something that you have licensed. So if you're using music and dancing on Patreon and you're charging people to see it, you mm -hmm. have charged them admission mm -hmm. because they have to pay money to be on your Patreon. Right, right. You are now commercially using that music. Okay. And again, you're small. They're probably not going to find you. Mm -hmm. But who knows? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Um, okay. 
Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So I, again, find music that you can use through collaborations with people mm -hmm. as opposed to covers or, you know, yeah, like Lee Press Under the Nails just covered a whole bunch of music. They paid right. rights to cover that music. Right. That doesn't right, give right. you the rights. Even if even if Lee Presson were to come to you and say, "Hey, I covered this song. Feel free to use the music." He doesn't have the rights to just let you use that music. Mm. He has the right to let you use his version of the music, but that doesn't mean he has the rights to let you broadcast it and and resell it. Okay. Now, okay, going back to a pure live stream. So, for mm -hmm. live streaming shows, what if they don't hit for it to be shown for the next 24 hours? Because that's the option when you do an Instagram or Facebook Live. You can. It's up for 24 it. hours? If it's if, up for 24 hours, it's, it's already not. been recorded, right? No, no. You, no, no. You have the choice of having it up for 24 hours or not. So if, if you it's put, only live, it's not recorded, it's not available yeah. to watch at any point except when it's streaming live, then it's fine. Once awesome. it's recorded, if you and have the rights to the music, else, it's a sync use and you need a sync license. Sync use need a sync, sync license. rights. Yeah. Okay. But if it's only live and it's not available to be viewed later, it's similar to how when you perform at a bar or a club and they have a license for you to perform live, um, a performance license, it's the same online. If it's actually only live. You just have to make sure it is because a lot of the live streaming services do record and do post the videos later. Right. But the, but you, for us, for everything that I do with Facebook and Instagram live, it always asks, do I want to record it? Do I want to save it? Do I want to post it for 24 hours or not? So if we were to do streaming shows. You need one of the two rights one of you need sync rights you still need rights yes you need performance rights if performance. it's live only but yeah. facebook and instagram have um, the performance yeah. license that Ex covers you exactly so yes okay so if we do but you can't monetize it beyond that okay yeah. you cannot record it once it's recorded yeah then that it becomes a sync use okay that's fine but you can do it live and that's it yeah yeah, you can't you can't ask for a ticket. Nope, can't ask for a ticket. And technically, you, technically, you can't ask for tips either. You really shouldn't be because you're doing commercial performance of it. Then, mm -hmm. does that okay. make sense? Sure. And again, it's a technicality, but mm -hmm. it's the reason, and a lot of times you get shut down. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, have a good night, Blanche. Thank you again for doing this. All right, I'm shutting this all down, you guys. Be well and stay safe out there. Wash your hands, use a condom, all that kind of stuff.